This week, Clark County School District and the largest teachers union are once again fighting. And if they don't come to an agreement by Saturday, our teachers have stated that they'll take work actions, whatever that means. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking to April Corbin Gurnitz from the Nevada Current about why CCSD and the union are fighting over how the district should distribute raises and whether the teachers are illegally preparing to strike. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Corbin Gurness, welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me back. Heck yeah. Oh, I love your glasses. They're so cool. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about everybody's favorite uh, Las Vegas drama. So I'm not talking about baseball people. I'm talking about the Clark County School District and the forever, what it feels like forever battle between some of the teachers unions and what the administrators say they do or don't want to do. Uh, and I feel like right now, April, there's like this big black cloud of are our teachers going to go on strike? So that's my question for you is like, what's the probability of the Clark County School District teachers going on strike? That's a great question. And that's the big I do know one thing is they probably won't call it a strike. <laughs> ah. So the short version is that CCSC, the district and the teachers union, Clark County Education Association, uh, are in negotiations for a new contract and they have not been able to settle. And mm-hmm. uh, the union has set a deadline of August 26th. That's this Ooh. Saturday mm-hmm. for um reach a settlement or we will take work actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, you said they wouldn't call it a strike. Why wouldn't they call it a strike? Uh, because it's it's actually illegal to strike in the state of Nevada. Well, it's for public employees. What do you mean it's illegal for our teachers to go on strike? Like, what does the law say? So the law says that uh, public employees, so state of Nevada employees and then the employees of local governments like counties, including the school district, uh, mm-hmm. are, are not allowed to go on strike. Instead, they have to meet a certain number of times and, and do negotiations in good faith. And if at a certain point uh, they reach an impasse and they're just not getting to something, they have to go into mandatory arbitration, which is when a third party comes in and ultimately decides who's right and who's wrong and, and they get it settled it that way. But uh, there are ways around that, right? So um, essentially they, the union has said, we're going to do work actions. That could include what I've been sort of referring to as like teacher, like rolling teacher blackouts, where Half like days. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, teachers in certain districts will all call in sick and have like a sick out, which can shut down a school and can certainly mm. be interpreted as a strike, but isn't necessarily the wide, broad stroke strike that we're thinking of where everybody doesn't go, right? So it's so probably going to be... Uh, co- if this is war, then this is covert strikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like on the low, uh, concentrated efforts. But at the same time, like, yeah, we don't have enough subs either. So like, forget regular consistent teachers would have enough substitutes either. 
Exactly. And then you're going to get into the fact of like, will a substitute take that job, right? Will or are they going to be like, I don't want to be a scab. I don't want to be the, the substitute scab. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, it could be like that or it could be something else. We don't know. The union has been very adamant that they are not uh, prescribing anything exactly yet. They'll make that decision at a big union-wide membership meeting that they have scheduled this Saturday morning. Word. So what is the rationale behind that law? Because the ethics seem a little fishy. I mean, I think the idea is that while a strike also on one hand seems kind of exciting if you're sort of pro-labor and pro, you know, screw the man, it's also very disruptive to average everyday citizens. And when you're talking about public government and public dollars, you know, that's that's the daycare essentially for a lot of parents with young kids, right? Like it would be it would be extremely disruptive to everybody if we couldn't send our kids to school, right? Um, the same way that it would be extremely disruptive if everybody at the water district didn't show up and all of a sudden the water pipes weren't being maintained and things, right? So I think the, the idea is, is that public employees uh, are, are held to a different standard and that there should be a different route for their resolutions when it comes to contracts. That's the point of a strike, though. That's the point of protest is to be disruptive. And so I feel like if you want like fast action in some situations, if, if you feel like these negotiations aren't going anywhere, we've been asking for the same things over and over again, we're not going to take it <laughs> at a situation, then the strike will at least let not just the administrators know it won't be a quiet thing. Not that our school district's meetings have been quiet. But it's not going to be on the low. It's going to be right out in front. Like, well, what's going on and why? I think more people will ask more questions once it directly, immediately impacts them. So I can understand the the desire and the feel, the need for, for possible striking. Yeah, because arbitration takes a long time, too. It's not like the people, the, the district and the union get to go to a room with an arbitrator and they decide like in a day that, oh, you know what? They were right. It's like it's a long, drawn out process. And and that it, it, is extremely disruptive to teachers, right, who may not be getting the raises. They'll get back pay or whatever, perhaps, but not, like they're not going to see that immediately. And right. And that's very disruptive for them to be working without a contract, not knowing if they're going to be getting a raise. Meanwhile, you know, all of the other state employees across the state have gotten you know, significant raises this year Ooh. while they're waiting there. So I think there's a, there's a lot of questions. And like you said, it's there's a theoretical debate on whether or not they should be allowed to strike. Um, but it's work actions. That's why we're calling it that now. <laughs> <laughs> a strike by any other name. So I know on Monday they filed the anti-slap lawsuit, um, but can you kind of explain what that means and like what's going on with that dispute? Yeah. So when the union like a month or so ago, when it became clear that, you know, the district and the union were butting heads and not reaching a quick deal, the union started to sort of make a little bit of waves by saying, hey, we will take action. We will take work actions. They were clear to be like, we're not calling it a strike, but we will take work actions and there will be some kind of response if you don't deal with us and settle with us. And then the district filed a lawsuit in district court saying, basically asking the court to sort of slap CCA, the union, on the wrist and say, hey, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to go on strike. Stop threatening and stop even saying, like, mm -hmm. you know, quit the games, right? They were like, stop doing that. And then CCA, the teachers union, responded like, oh, your thing's a little premature. We're not threatening to strike. Work actions could be a lot of things, including a lot of things that are legal, right? Mm. So like you could say a lot of teachers work over their contract time. Sure do. And yeah, they're working on weekends. They're working afternoons. They're selling, you know, they're, they're doing things that they don't necessarily have to do as part of their teacher's contract. So a work action could be something like all of the teachers saying, you know what, we're not going to work a minute over 
contract time, which means like, sorry, parent, if you would like to talk to your teacher about their performance, sorry, if you want to go to Pokemon Club or whatever, like we're not going to do any of that. We are only going to stick to contract time until the district gets its stuff. That would right. be perfectly you want, legal. You want grades? You want your grades of your student input? Mm, I don't know when that's going to happen since I don't have a free teaching period to it, actually grade papers. Mm, exactly. So it's like maybe that, I mean, all of that could fall under the, you know, the, the category of work action, but wouldn't be illegal under Nevada state law, right? So CCA basically messier. said, this is, <laughs> this is, this was premature. They're trying to get it dismissed. And then on Monday, they filed an anti-slap thing, which is a, basically a lawsuit that says, throw out this lawsuit, throw out CCSD's lawsuit because it infringes upon our First Amendment rights to assemble and to protest in ways that are perfectly legal, like showing up to a school board meeting or standing in front of your school with a sign. And then yesterday, Tuesday, the judge dismissed CCSD's request for an injunction, essentially saying that the union leadership, uh, while they did make some comments that are, quote, concerning, there was no immediate threat of a strike and the court didn't need to take action at this very moment. The judge, however, did uh, leave a window and say that she's willing to hold another emergency hearing should that change and a a strike seem more imminent. So the upshot is that the union wasn't slapped on the wrist and that everything they've said so far publicly uh, is within the law and they're free to move on uh, as they see fit. What's super interesting to me about this, the CCEA, the Clark County Education Association, so that's really the biggest teachers union and the Clark County School District are both on board with giving teachers raises. Everybody's in agreement. Yep, let's do the raises. But the teachers are still threatening to go on strike because of how the money is distributed. So can you kind of explain that? Because in my brain, I need to to sort these things out. <laughs> Please help me. So if we got a sheet of paper, we fold it in half hamburger style. One side is what the union wants. The other side is what the district wants. What's the difference between what these two organizations' stances are regarding the raises? So not surprisingly, uh, the teachers union wants a larger percent across the board to give all Mm. of the teachers raises. And they want a bigger focus on directing more money towards recruiting teachers and helping hard to fill positions like special ed. And then on Mm. the flip side, CCSD says we want to give raises, but not as high of a percentage as the teachers union. And they also want to fix pay disparities, what they call pay disparities, to help teachers who were left behind, so to speak, when um, a, a previous raise went through. Mm, so those starting teachers that got yes. in that started at a higher step, making their salary really close to people who had been working as teachers for longer periods of time. Correct. That happened. So basically the newbies ago. were getting the same amount of money as I was getting, you know, if I was working six years. So you're just like, oh, exactly. I would like my raise too. <laughs> Exactly. They want to fix that. And how far away they are, we don't know. Negotiations happen behind closed doors between the two parties. Uh, CCSD and the teachers union have both put out like things that they've said are their proposals. And they put out statements calling the other one a liar. And it's very dramatic. And that's why I've actually I try to stay away from mentioning certain percentages and stuff because it's, it's a constantly moving target and it's changing every day, every hour. And we won't know really until, you know, until there's a, a settlement that's what it is. Uh, and until then, it's all just numbers and projections and, and posturing and a lot of, you know, probably a lot of lying to the public on both sides, I'll say, <laughs> honestly. Well, yeah. So, I mean, let's find let's find some truth here because mm-hmm. it feels like the, the union is digging their heels into the ground and 
What is the teachers union saying about their model? Why do they feel like their model for the distribution of funds is better for teachers and students? You know, the union is really trying to address the issue of teacher vacancies. So we have a really high teacher vacancy rate Mm -hmm. across the valley. And the only way you can fix teacher vacancies is to get more teachers to be in the district. And, you know, the argument is what's one of the best drivers of people to go into a career is better pay. Like, um, and, and so they want to address the teacher shortage. And they think that one of the best ways to do that is to focus on, you know, the the starting salary rates and, um, again, those hard-to-fill positions. So a lot of what they're pressing is sort of focused on that because they're trying to address that. And that's – it's disappointing, you know, because if the district is already behind in providing people with their raises, then it sounds like the, there's so much bad blood. There's so much frustration. It almost sounds like a divorce where it's like, uh, this is mine. Well, this is mine. Well, who gets the dog? And who, you know, like so that people are so upset with one another and both feel so wrong that they can't come to, you know, a consensus for the kids. Do it for the kids. Exactly. Think of the kids. <laughs> I'm curious if you know, like, how does CCSD's methods of teacher retention and pay differ from other states? Well, CCSD has a harder time with teacher vacancies, independent of the fact that people don't like CCSD for whatever reason or management or things. (coughs) The issue is is that we're growing. Nevada is one of the fastest growing uh, states. Clark County is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. It has been for decades now. Um, Mm. And so when your student population grows, you need more teachers. So take the issue of natural retention. issues that every district has across the country, that gets amplified in a place where you need more teachers every year because the population is growing. And it's being a snowball effect, right? So like, we need more teachers because we're growing naturally, but we don't have them, which means that the teachers that are here have really huge classes and they have a lot of responsibilities, which means they're not happy, which means that other teachers, potential teachers know that and they're like, well, I don't want to go there and have 40 students in a classroom, right? So it ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy and just gets worse and worse. And how do you break that cycle and reset it to get to the place where you want to be? That's something that the state of Nevada and Clark County School District are are really trying to do. probably failing but you know it's it's a they're trying <laughs> it's but it's hard it's it's complicated and it's not as easy as just saying it isn't as easy as just saying like oh we can just throw money at it because that's only going to get you so far given the the scenario so i mean i know the data is telling us and then i also have friends who are still telling me that class sizes are still too big do we know what those numbers are Yes. So the Nevada state legislature passed years ago class size reduction rules. And so they set sort of based off of national standards and rule like, you know, the best practices. They wanted to get kindergarten, first grade and second grade to 16 kids per teacher. And then third grade, you could be 18 students to one teacher. So if you look at the overall district, at the average overall, the most common class sizes are it's 18 to 21 students, depending on those grade levels. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, you look at that and you go, okay, if it's supposed to be 16 to 18 and we're at 18 to 21, that's not too bad. That's like three to five students over, yeah. right? But that is not evenly distributed, okay? Oh. <laughs> so if you look at the largest class sizes, and I looked them up based off the last report that the, the mm-hmm. Department of Education had. So our largest class size for kindergartners was 33 students. 
And first graders, it was 26. Second graders, it was 33. And third graders, it was 37. No. So going back to the salary question, like how much money do I have to pay you, Vogue, to be in charge of 37 third graders in a classroom? There (laughs) really isn't enough. (laughs) And that's what I was going to ask you about. (laughs) Yes. So the it's it's not evenly distributed. And what I'm trying to say, and if you look at that and the data plays out where like what neighborhoods, what areas do you think the schools are at? Where do you think the schools are that have that high of classrooms? It is the students that need the most help. It is the students in the low income areas in the poorer neighborhoods. It is the ELL students who need extra help for no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. Um, So the kids in the suburbs have smaller classrooms and because the teachers want to work there. And that's not a fault against teachers for wanting that, right? But it's that that's the part is that it is uneven. And we end up having huge class sizes in some of the poorest neighborhoods in the 30s with elementary school students. No. I mean, I have three nieces when they out, they already outnumber me. I need another arm, you know, to be like, come here. So it's it's such a massive responsibility. And even now when I think about this, once all this shit settles and the teachers get their raises, is this really enough? Are raises going to fix our problems, April? Probably not. <laughs> but that's not a reason not to try, you know? I think it's, it's an all-hands-on-deck sort of situation where there's a lot hmm. of... There's a lot of areas that need to be fixed. There, there's always been this question of like, we throw money at the district so much, you know, like we've done this. And like we threw money at class size reduction. I was like, no, we didn't. Mm-mm. No, we didn't. Because look at our class sizes now. We threw there, legislation at We it. threw legislation and everybody just ignores it because they can't, because you have to give a variance because wh- what can they do? It's not necessarily even their fault, right? So it is an all hands on deck sort of situation where right now we're arguing about salaries, but it's not the only thing. And we'll see how that, you know, plays out. But we could we could start with this, I guess, is, is, is my takeaway. Is it let's start here and then go elsewhere. Yeah, it's a good place to start. <laughs> April Corbin Gurness, you're the bomb. I'm gonna give you a hug when I see you again. Thank you Always. for uh, bringing, bringing a bright spot to all of this. And we'll see what happens with our teachers. I try, good luck. Hopefully they negotiate and they find a deal. <laughs> Please, please, (laughs) for the babies. (laughs) Hey, friends, don't forget, we've got two pairs of Life is Beautiful tickets to give away. Head over to citycast.fm forward slash LIB for details. Get your tickets. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you learned something new about the ongoing CCSD drama, tell a friend and let them know you heard it here. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. So I, let me rephrase that. Read the question. I know how to read, April. I learned. Oh, I was really in happy. school. Yeah, right? <laughs> By a teacher. From a teacher you learned. I did. <laughs>